lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is... How do we handle grief? Well, I have been thinking a lot about grief um, in many different ways. So I know there are a lot of people choosing to transition off the planet and back to spirit. Um, and we've been going through this for a couple years, but this is continuing on. And um, I recently had a family member who transitioned. And so, you know, when things happen in our own life, we start to look to that area of life and we start to focus on it. And being that I'm so connected to things even beyond what's here on earth. Like I'm eternally fascinated with the fact that we enter, you know, a human vessel and we exist here and then we exit a human vessel. And I have had the honor and pleasure of being, I would call it um, a person who assists in a transition several times in my life. And it is such a sacred and beautiful experience. And just like, you know, birth is a sacred, beautiful experience. So is death. So is our transition. And so this is something that has been really close to me in my life. And, you know, now that my family has gone through um, losing somebody recently, that I just wanted to have, you know, conversations about this. I think sometimes we don't know what to say to people who are grieving. Um, and so we tend to not say a lot, or we tend to distance ourselves from people because we don't want to say the wrong thing. And we don't know, you know, what might be comforting to one person or another. And so there's a lot of fear, I think, around death in general, like lots of fear, lots of fear. Um, but lots of fear for everybody who is surrounding that experience. And so I just think we need to talk about it more. I think we need to learn to feel our feelings about it, whether that is like fear of saying the wrong thing or whether that's somebody who has recently lost somebody in your life and is moving through the incredible waves of emotion, because it's not just sadness, um, or loss that we experience, there's all kinds of feelings and it kind of goes in cycles. So one day you could wake up and just be fine and going about your life. And the next day you don't want to get out of bed. And all of that is normal. Like we, we have all these emotions and we have all of these things that we need to move through in, in our life and, and leaving space for that and leaving room, um, to feel all of those feelings and to honor all of them. Cause sometimes we like to believe that we should feel a certain way, but we really don't. Um, and so there needs to be space for that. And certainly having safe spaces to talk about your feelings. If you are moving through grief and grief can show up 
in a lot of different ways. It's, it might not be just the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's grief over the ending of a relationship or a marriage or grief um, from moving out of a career that you've been in for a long time or whatever it is. Like we go through the grieving process. And I think we have to understand this because we're in a time of transformation. And so transformation calls us up to let go of things. And we have to know how to move through that. We can't just let go and act like we don't care because that's not the way that it works. We do have feelings about that and we need to honor what those feelings are and to understand what they are, to not try to shut them down. And so today on the show, uh, I have Juliet Caraman and she's a certified mind body coach expert on relationships, healing, trauma, and body shame. She specializes in the reinvention of the most intimate relationship in life. And she's also somebody who has been through the loss of several loved ones. With courses and coaching and VIP experience, she really brings her gift to helping guide and mentor thousands of women over the past decade and rewrite this relationship we have with ourself and grief and our bodies and our minds and our spirit. And she uses a unique uh, methodology called rapid release, rewire and restore. Her mission is to create a world where every woman remembers the truth of who they are and who honors that with everything that they are. I really appreciated her perspective on moving through the loss of loved ones. And as this is something that's really top of mind in my life and something I'm moving through. Um, it was, it was wonderful to talk to her and to learn from her. And at the time that she and I had this conversation, I had not lost a loved one in my life yet. Um, but I knew that that was probably coming soon. And so this was a conversation I wanted to have because as you know, if we know that somebody is going to be passing, um, then it's really helpful to start to open up the conversations around this. And so I appreciate uh, Juliet being there um, and sharing her experiences as I was walking towards, you know, moving through grief in my own life. And, and really when we share the truth of our heart and we share our experience in this way, it can be so comforting. And I just thank her for, for showing up to this conversation and sharing what she did. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Juliet to the show. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about like this intersection between grief and trauma. I know, you know, we've talked about it a lot on this show and a lot of people are moving through these waves of different traumatic things kind of coming to the surface, whether it's stuff from the past or things were, you know, that are happening in the moment in our life. And the piece that I feel like we're not talking about is this piece of grief, right? So there's a lot of talk about trauma. There's a lot of talk about this stuff coming up, but I kind of started sensing, you know, a couple of years back that there is a real strong grief, whether we've physically lost somebody in our life to death or accident, whether we are moving out of certain circles of people because of evolving, right? And the what things we're going through in our life, 
And so I just love that you're kind of talking about all of these things. So take us back uh, to start off with so that we can know a little bit about your journey to let's say even 10, 15 years ago and kind of where you were at that time in your life and kind of take us forward to what has evolved to you sharing what you do in the world. Isn't it interesting? Thank you. Um, just yesterday, one of my students, my first students, um, reached out to me and he I used to be Sanko as a special educational needs coordinator. Two of my kids were very are very dyslexic. So I'm like, okay, I'll dive in, I'll learn how to do this, I'm gonna help them. Didn't quite work out that way. But I taught a lot of other kids and on on the autism range how to be. So he reached out to me. He said, my mom found you on Instagram. She's like, that's your old teacher. Look at what she's doing now. So he sent me a message that I received yesterday. He said, you know, you remember that you taught me that I have my body. And then I, I taught him like to put his hands out and to kind of like have that circle around him. So that knowing what is his space and what is other people's space. He's like, I've used that time and time again and really learning that this is my little bubble. This is my energy field. And if I'm too close to someone, then I'm impeding on where they are. And it also doesn't help me. So just, you know, that's kind of like a little... Thing that just dropped in like already 15 years ago I was on my way on my path you know I'm, I'm a mother of four kids they're in their early 20s at the moment I had four kids in under three years time so crazy <laughs> crazy household you can understand and so I already I knew that I wanted to help others and and I think that's been the one constant in my life where I've always helped others with with a lot of with a lot of things then um I hit rock bottom after I got divorced, got into another relationship. We, between us, we had seven children, seven different holidays, seven different school, schools, seven different personalities. And I didn't listen to my body. I kind of like lived very in my head and then trying to overgive and, and just was an overgiver, right? Like a lot of us have been conditioned to be that way. So at one point my body just you know smacked me in the head and it's like, hey, stop. So I started fainting. I spent nine months in and out of hospital. Doctors didn't know what was going on. They implanted a heart monitor. So that was really the point where it's like, okay, something has got to change. I cannot continue doing this because I'm actually going to die if if I don't stop this. And not everyone has to reach this point, but some of us do. Some of us need that smack in, in, on the head. It's like, hey, wake up. So fast forward to you know, this relationship, that was kind of like the edge, what that kind of like took it a little bit too far. So um, we split up. And within weeks, my body started healing. Within weeks, I, because I started taking time for myself, I didn't have to take care of seven children anymore. It was just my own. And then, you know, my, my ex-husband lived around the corner, so he could take the kids a lot of the time as well. Uh, and we've always kept a really good relationship together. So that was one of the good things. And then within weeks, I actually kept seeing this workshop that kept coming up. I'm like, oh my God, I'm really intrigued. And I remember going to this workshop and people put attention on me in the way that I'd never experienced before because I was always the one giving attention. So I was like, oh, <laughs> what are they asking me about me? So fast forward, I then, you know, start becoming a director of this organization, that Conscious Sexuality. Um, 
and brought their first coaching program to, to London, which was wonderful. And then my sister got ill. She was 52 and she got diagnosed with um, cancer. And like two months after she got, you know, she started having pains. Um, so that kind of halted my whole experience because I wanted to be there for her. So I spent the last few months with her in Holland, um, really going through a lot of stuff. I was coaching her through a lot of things and getting to that place where she could accept that she was dying and she could, you know, and I remember that last day she was like, Beam, she used to call me Beam, that's my nickname. She's like, can I go to the light now? Because I had had a near-death experience when I was younger and somehow by doing some sacred um plant medicine I'd remembered so I, I told her about them like hey did I nearly die when I was a toddler and she's like yeah we fished you out of the moat I'm like oh great yeah I remember that so for me it was like going through a dark tunnel and going up to the light and becoming one so on the day that she died she's like can I go to the light now I'm like yes you can fast forward probably a year or so, my father again also, you know, I was I started taking care of both my parents who were in Belgium and um I knew he was going to pass. So um got the doctor involved and I said, Hey, you know, he's been wanting to he, he doesn't want to live anymore, but he's got dementia, can't tell you. But he's now at the point that we can actually just give him some medicine and he can go. So wonder above wonder, he the moment that we decided that he came to completely understood everything that I said to him and that the doctor said and he's like oh my god thank you and just the relief on his face and actually being there while he took his first, his last breath was so was really mesmerizing because it was my mother me and then there were, was all the staff in the room and they just couldn't leave because they were just mesmerized by actually the passing because they could feel the energy and then six months later um my mom committed euthanasia, which you could do in Belgium. So again, going through that whole thing, having her look in my eyes as she passed over. So I've really noticed where it's such a service to be able to be with the people that you adore or that you love and to be there and to actually be be the one that the last person that they see and, and to have them go over and to give them that permission that, yes, it's time to go, go. Because mm. often that's that's the bit, right? It's that fear. It's like, oh, but what am I leaving behind? Like, can I do this? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I want to touch on a couple of things because, you know, I'm here in the United States and like we don't have that choice, um, which I think is really beautiful to have the choice. I mean, I know that there's many circumstances, you know, I've had friends and and friends, families be in where they really were done. They felt really complete and, you know, just a lot of like pain and a lot of things going on in their body that they obviously, you know, shouldn't have to live through, in my opinion, if that's not their choice. Um, so it's interesting. Tell me about that process of like your mother coming to that choice, like, and, and, you know, maybe you've had many people, you know, in your periphery and circle who've been able to make that choice. Like I said, I, I haven't because we're in the States and most right. of my friends are here. So it's not, it's not a conversation. What, what was that like? 
No, and it's it's a really interesting place to be. I mean, I've known about this since I was probably about 13 because they even had it written to their will. So both my parents said, we don't want to be vegetables. Well, when it comes to a point that life doesn't hold a lot of meaning anymore for us, we'd like to you know, commit euthanasia, choose conscious death. Um, and they discussed it with us and we kind of like, it, it was just something that we grew up with. So we kind of understood it. But when it actually got to that point, you know, that was like, there's my brother left and there's me and my brother's in South Africa. And then of course I've got my family, but I was like, yeah, to lose three family members within two years, it was like, whoa. <laughs> so um, a lot of hoops to jump through because you have to make sure, you know, the, the psychologists have to make sure that you're not grieving or that you're not, you know, uh, you're actually in your your right mind to make these decisions. Um, I gave my mom all the options and said, you can come live with me. Yeah, so we, we had arranged a plan for that. So let's take you back to Holland from Belgium. This is one of the houses that we can go. We went and visited. I just wanted to make sure that I had not left any stone unturned for me, more for me than for her, right? Because it's, I have to live with this for the rest of my life that, you know, I've, I've right. helped her and I've, I've actually supported it. And it wasn't, I wasn't for it so much. I, I would have liked her to, to see my kids get married at one point, right? And to have her in my life a bit longer, but that would have been my choice and not hers. So I had to really learn how to respect that. Um, so we gave her all the choices and she's like, no, still, I still want to do that. But then towards the end, she got, she got crabby, she got angry. And it was just like, just bring it back to all my coaching skills, to all the, the, the stuff that I take other people through, some of the methods that I take people through that they remember what their soul is, who they are at heart, right? Without all the personas, without all the personality on top, without all the, the, the little quirks that they have, but really remembering that they are love and that they're going back to that. It was beautiful, hard work, but really beautiful. Yeah, and since then I've been attracting the clients that have you know, a lot of grief in their their life. You know that have had kids that committed suicide, that have wanted to commit suicide themselves, and and you just notice that there's such deep despair in this world, and or people that have left their relationships and actually are grieving it, but then don't give themselves the time for that. Yes. And what were you feeling? I mean, to lose, like you said, very close family members and your parents, I mean, there's something very sacred about the parental relationship, even if people don't have a good relationship with their parents or not. Like when when parents cross over, I mean, there's a number of like rites of passage that are going on. Number one is like, you're now the older generation, you know, in your family, like we're, we grow up and, you know, your caregivers or parents, you always have someone, right. That's that elder in your family. And, and when they pass on, and if your grandparents have passed on, like, you know, it's really stepping into that role of, I think the wise man, wise woman. And what was your process as you were moving through this with the loss of a sister, you know, who's your similar age, I'm sure. And then, the loss of your parents. How was that for you? It was a lot. It was a lot to handle because my my sister and I used to help out with my parents a lot, you know. So we at one point they weren't that mobile anymore. It's not like they were massively ill, but they just weren't that mobile. So we'd get au pairs in or we get cleaners or we get people that that slept over and that made sure that put them to bed 
brought them back. She was living in Holland. My parents were in Belgium. I lived in England or I still live in England. So it was, it wasn't like we're right next to each other. So we can just drop by and help them. So when she left, all of a sudden all that fell on me. So it's like, whoa, okay. And I've got my four kids and I have my career and I have, you know, and then I was also in the process of selling my house. So, you know, so it was like, everything was upheaval. So it's like, whoa, I have, there's not one bit of stability. There's not anyone that I can really turn to at that moment. So it's like really finding the peace in myself. It's like, and I've got myself, you know, obviously I had my kids that supported me. I had my ex-husband a lot. I had my friends, but it was really, it's like, oh, I am the elder. I am the wise woman. I I, I stepped into my chronda really quickly <laughs> because that is what it is, right? So people see this and they they kind of notice the energy in you as well. And that, and I would also tell people like when I'm teaching or when I was even at a dinner party and saying, hey, they'd be like, how are you doing? And I heard about your parents and your sister, how are you doing? And say, I'm really well. And I'm just going to warn you that your feelings is my superpower. So I might be smiling and laughing at one moment and there'll be tears and snot flying the next moment, but I am okay. You don't need to rescue me. This is just a process and I move through emotions really quickly, but sometimes I had to warn them because people don't do that and people don't really allow themselves to be that demonic, that, that, demonstrative yes and truthful like this is like where did my english go (laughs) yeah you know and what was like i know the grieving process is different for everybody um what did you find like because i think people obviously fear emotion in cultures our culture around the world like there's a lot of you know wanting to hold that in and and not knowing how to process like grief and because of who you are and what you do like and how you help other people move through things in their life when it was actually your experience what did you find because I think you know just like you were talking about the fear in crossing over, like people fearing death and what happens and, you know, and fighting that in different ways. Like we all fear grief too. Like, what is it going to be for me and the unknown of like how you're going to feel? So was there anything that surprised you about your own process or, or things that you can share about how you moved through it? Yeah, it's, it's, it was really interesting with my sister. Um, I felt like very protective over her so it was her husband and me taking care of her and then um so i called my parents at one point i'm like hey if you want to see your daughter alive you know i'm calling you a taxi because it's like two hour drive come see her now and then i was like very strict you've got 40 minutes and i put them back in the taxi i'm like there you go and knowing that they're not that well and they can't walk well and then but i had to be quite strict with them so in the end when she passed I was left like, you know, my, my brother-in-law and his kids went to the farm. They have a farm somewhere in the north of Holland. And I was kind of left and looking at the house. I'm like, am I going to stay here? Am I going to go to my parents? I went to my parents and they grieve very differently. So they were sitting watching TV and I was like, whoa, I can't do that. I can't. I've, I've just felt so much, you know, because we also, we we I put makeup on her we bathed her we put her in the casket so it was really like hands-on so it's like oh my god I can't numb this much so I had to just tell him I said hey 
I love you and I know you have your way of grieving and for me it just doesn't work so I'm going to go back to Amsterdam I'm going to go into you know my brother-in-law's apartment there and I also knew that I had to write a speech for her memorial and I would do anything except write it and I knew that that's one of my you know, tactics of not actually feeling and of course my company is called my brand's called feel fully you and it's like, hello, darling, you're not feeling it. <laughs> so I remember I was talking to my coach at that point. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just can't sit down and write this thing. And I know how I am, you know. So she's like, okay, let's actually just pull some web holds. What haven't you said to your sister? Because you've been so deep in the grieving process, so deep in taking care of her, so deep in, in taking care of everyone else. You haven't really allowed yourself to say the things that you you felt. So, and we did like, I don't know, 25 minutes of me just like, this is what I haven't said. And it was like, you know, that I miss you. And then I actually, I had a lot of anger underneath, not directed at her, but directed at her not being there at, at all the, the kind of like the promises we had made each other. It's like, oh, we're going to you know grow old together and look at our kids getting married together. We're going to go skiing every year, you know, so we planned so many things. And I hadn't realized that all of that had kind of like backed up and, and it's kind of like, like, you know, like flushing the loo, <laughs> all this stuff that's been backed up and you completely get cleared and it was like whoa 40 minutes or or 20 minutes of that and then 40 minutes 20 minutes of walking and then doing some exercises in the air in nature it took me actually 15 minutes to write the speech after wow. that it was but that's it because we are so afraid to voice even anger people you know like well we can't get anger we can't be angry at the person that they died it's like no, we're not angry at that person itself, but we're angry at all the the lost opportunities of memories making, the lost, you know, the things that we were looking forward to doing. And we often forget that that is that forward projection is still something that we're, you know, that we, we feel emotion towards. I think that's so important that you said that. I, and thank you for that, because I think that grief can be a myriad of emotions and we think it's supposed to look a certain way and for everybody it's so individual and different but anger is huge even in the process of caregiving right like the frustration and the it's a lot of work to you know to be with somebody and to really operate their life right because as somebody is falling ill or they're you know they're not well like they can't do all the daily things of their life. And so it falls on their loved ones and their caregivers. And it's, that's a lot, right? And so, and, and ultimately in that role of helping somebody towards the end of their life and caregiving, like the end result is loss, right? Like, it's not like you, you know, a lot of times in life we say, oh, if I apply myself, right? Like, like even raising children, like if I really am a great mom and I do really great things for my kids, like the idea, the hope is that they become, you know, healthy, wonderful adults and that they go out in the world. And then you go, oh, I worked so hard, right? For this. And like, now I get to, you know, they get to have these great lives and they get to feel. And so in the caregiving role, you work so hard for ultimately loss, 
right at the end, which is, yes, I get to feel the like beauty and the, and the sense of like, yeah, I was there with that person through the end stages of their life. But then you also, you know, we don't have many examples like that in life, right? We say, oh, we're going to work hard to, you know, experience a peak moment. And you work hard to experience the beauty, which you shared about of watching somebody cross. I have done that as well. Um, and it really is a beautiful, sacred time, just like you said, like in awe of that moment. Like in my life, I watched, uh, I was there when my grandmother took her last breath and literally was gifted with the most spiritual, beautiful experience. And there were so many of my family members that were there, um, but she in her last breath lifted off of the bed and looked to the heavens and her whole body just, it wasn't even her just lifted off of the bed. And the look on her face, like was just ultimate pure heaven. Like, and then it was incredible. And then her body just slowly went back to the bed and she took like one more quick breath. And then she had passed and she, she was such a spiritual woman too. She was so funny. She, was so concerned that they would move her body. She's like, they cannot move my body for four hours because my spirit will be leaving the top of my head. And she's like, and they're not allowed, like, I don't know, some Native American tradition that she was very, like, very connected to. And so she's like, you're the only one that will, that will, you know, make sure that this happens. And, you know, cause I was the most spiritual, she was very spiritual. I was very spiritual, but we had a lot of very, you know, book smart, left-brained people in our family. And she's like, nobody else will listen to this. So it was so, I mean, after she passed, like I was so happy for her because she was so ready and she wanted to, for years. She used to say, you'll probably find this. She used to say, I don't know what is going on up there. God and the devil must be arguing over who has to take me. She's like, that's all I can figure. <laughs> because she, <laughs> she was just like, I am done. Like, you know, her husband of 53 years had died 14 years prior to her. And she's like, she would say to us, she's like, you know, I have our family, but she's like, other than that, like my world, my friends, you know, the people that I, you know, spent time with, they're all gone. Like, and so she just felt like she was the last one. And, um, so yeah, so she and I had a really beautiful relationship and she gave us the gift of that experience, which was so gorgeous. And for her, she was so complete on life that, you know, I was so happy for her, like, cause she was so ready, you know, she had been ready and, and, you know, she'd lived a really long life. She was 92 and, you know, her body was just kind of breaking down at that point. Like it was just her time, like she was done. And so, but it was, it was a very sacred experience and a life-changing experience, you know, for myself. And also what I witnessed in that room was a lot of people who, were really traumatized by that experience. I think, you know, I was having this gorgeous, you know, spiritual experience with her and I had said everything I wanted to say to her. Like it was a very complete feeling, but there were other family members of mine in the room who were not complete. Right. And who were really like, so it was an interesting, like you talk about energy. It was an interesting juxtaposition of energy that was occurring in that room that I was super present to. And, and, and it was just energy because nobody was speaking, right? It was just oh, this feeling, right? 
<laughs> and you can feel it, right? I, I just came off a podcast. We were talking about really sensitive people. And like you and I, that you've noticed that, that you witnessed what happened. Yeah, you know, There are others that didn't notice that, right? That didn't see what happened. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, but it's also, we, we realize that energy is everything. And a lot of people do not they're in that that kind of like matrix where it's like no this is all you know very left brain very very different and it's not to say that one is better than the other it's it's but to be with someone and to have that kind of like spiritual hit that spiritual awakening that this is all available to me is is incredible but what i've noticed with working with people that are less likely to really understand why this is happening for them. Like, yeah, someone has taken their life, one of their kids are just like, how can I ever find joy in my life again? And and really to start working with that is, is tough. I've, I've had some people that you know, had to sacrifice their baby to a cult. So, I mean, really like some of the deep, deep stuff. Wow. And they're like, you know, their, their nervous system is off the, the charts. But what has really helped is that exercise. I said, it's like, what haven't you said? And then to get everything out, it is like clearing eons of years of backed up stuff, energy, stuck. You know, I was going to say poo, but it's 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 like actually like you know, you're just clearing away all the guck that's in you, and then it's like, oh, it can start flowing clearly again, and then it's like then there's nothing stuck. Then you're kind of like a Teflon pan on the inside and things can come through you. It's so true. So even brain people that, that are like, when you do that with them, they're like, wow, <laughs> I actually can say these things? Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't, I think we get caught up in like, I can't say these things to these people or I can't say these things because it'd be inappropriate at this time. And it's really just, you need to say the things. Like, it doesn't matter if you're saying it to the person. Yeah, it just has to be expressed and, and it has to be heard and recognized. And like you said, I mean, the relationship you had with your coach and being able to just empty your bucket was such a powerful process. Do you feel like that helped you move through the grieving process to be able to really speak all of those things? That and something which I have now coined into my own in a method called um, R4, so rapid release, rewire and restore. So it's it's a combination of uh, metaphysical exercises, hypnotherapy and NLP and actually how to move and then a lot of embodiment, a lot of somatic stuff with it. So I've kind of like every day I would say, okay, so what's the emotion? Because we can bring down every um, experience into, if we really boil it down, we can bring it into four uh, elements, an image, a thought, a body sensation and an emotion. So once you can duplicate those, that's how you move through them. And then the duplication process becomes much quicker. So it's like, all right, so already start becoming aware of it, right? Because awareness is the first step towards self-love. It's like, oh, what's happening? Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm having this thought. Is there an image with it? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I see this in my head. Like, great. So what's the emotion that it brings up? Like, oh, this, what are you feeling in your body? What body sensation? And actually to get the language for that you know it's like what temperature where is it feeling is it feeling restricted does it have a different texture does it have a vibration does it have a shape and no one ever taught us to be with our bodies in this way 
But once you can start pinpointing, it's like, oh, okay. And what's it now after you do that? You take a few breaths. It's like, oh, it's now moved. It's now the emotion is not so much anymore. And and just to really do that is what kept my sanity. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I mean, it's a gift you're working with people to help move that out of the way. Because I think we can get caught in any, whether we're grieving the loss of a relationship, grieving the loss of a person, like it doesn't matter what we're grieving. I think we're all being asked to move through grief at this time in different ways, because we're all being asked to transform and change our lives in so many different ways. And if we are resisting that, then then life is bringing us opportunities to stop resisting that, to be in motion, to free ourselves. And so if we don't know how to move through grief, if we get stuck in that cycle of holding it in and trying to, you know, control our emotions and control the situation, then we just cause ourselves more pain for one, but also we stop the process of evolution. And so I love that you have that process and that you can take people through that um, to help them move through all of the things in life. I mean, this is a time of change. And if we can't move through change, which grieving is part of change, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough road. Completely. And also it's like, um, it's crazy, right? Because we're, we, the only thing that we know for certain is that everything changes. And so I've taught people on the spectrum. I have one child who's very dyslexic. The other one you know, is a girl. So she's not as dyslexic or they, they move through it in a different way. He hates change. So we'll try and control everything. I'm like, baby, anything that we know is change is constant. That's the only thing that we definitely know. We know that we're born and we know that we're going to die and everything in between is going to change. <laughs> so for him to to you know, let go of that grip a little bit was really to start using some of these processes and really to start accepting that emotions are really energy in motion. Right. And so that you can move through them when you don't have to stay stuck in them. And yeah. it's it's so interesting what you're saying. I mean, we've had like a massive moon here and just this period in time is <laughs> there's been a lot of energy. A lot of energy. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, oh my God, they're like, what is happening? I know, right? <laughs> I always say it's so funny, like when you coach many people, like you can see what is a collective occurrence versus like an individualized moment in someone's life. Like, like there will be, you know, when I always say when planets move, like when there are things going on, like in the solar system that are major, you'll just get so many messages. Like what is going on? Da, 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 right. Like this is happening. This is happening. And it's, it's happening across so many people's lives that you go, Oh, everybody's feeling this like every, and we don't realize it because we personalize everything. <laughs> we go, I'm the only one <laughs> experiencing this, but but you really do see that there is so much truth to the fact that we're all being, you know, pushed, right? Gently pushed into, into new horizons and, and evolving collectively and individually. Completely. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? Where, where we are all evolving. And I love seeing the younger generation actually like quantum leap and then that know things that I didn't know until my 40s they're like I'm looking at my kids and like great in your 20s you already know all of this you've understood it you've embodied it and that's what it is it's all that embodied wisdom 
so what I love is that one of that my kids actually spend a lot of time with their grandfather and I kind of see that that generational thing gap is is not there anymore so much we don't have grandparents actually teaching our children as much every day um but where we we get the codes from them we understand we embody what they have lived through because of how they they explain things and yeah they're also the elders so yeah yeah it's so beautiful so share where people can find out your information, how to work with you, socials, all that good stuff. Yeah, perfect. So I've got a website called feelfullyyou.com. That's probably the easiest. There's a whole bunch of free meditations, free journals, free stuff on there. And there's loads of ways of how to work with me. There's a bit of my story in there as well. Um, social media, I'm Juliet, French spelling, double T-E, Caraman, K-A-R-A-M-A-N, on Instagram, on Facebook and I have free uh, a free Facebook doming the field so we talk about quantum field and being a dominatrix and all of that kind of good stuff <laughs> um, and actually just just get a lot of lot of stuff for value there so that's Instagram that's Facebook and I think I'm on LinkedIn as well Juliet Caraman so wonderful thank you so much for hanging out with us and for sharing your personal experience and. Um, hopefully we all can gather the tools to move through, you know, grief at every different layer of our life. And I think it'll be really helpful for people. And I love that people will be able to connect with you to move through the process. Thank you. And I think my one, one uh, takeaway would be really allow yourself to feel. I know it sounds scary, but just, you know, what does it mean to feel for you? Um, take two minutes, write it down. It's like, what does feeling mean? Why, why am I so afraid of it? Yeah, so beautiful. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Mm-hmm.